This is Coffee with Closers, a show about real estate agents by real estate agents. We'll highlight local real estate agents to share their successes, celebrate their failures, and learn who they are outside of real estate. All right, so um, let's dive in here. So one of one of the things that when we talked, Mike, um, and and we've obviously been making this more of a regular occurrence, which I love um, because I just always enjoy your perspective. And part of the part of the reason why is I think for me, you know, my mission has really been to to kind of disrupt and challenge the thinking for real estate agents in order to make real estate agents more successful and entrepreneurs more successful in general. Right. And and in thinking about the kind of my mission for challenging the way people think in order to drive results and drive a bigger life. Um, you know, COVID put us in this position where it gave us opportunity to do that. Right. You know, there's, there's two schools of thought for people is a lot of people are focused on what they've lost. And, and that's, that's obviously a real, real tangible result of, for some. And then some of the things that we lost, we never should have had to begin with, or were weighing us down. And so what is it that you lost or got rid of during the last um, four months that we've been going through this pandemic that, that maybe you never should have had or were weighing you down? It's in my nature um, to, to work. So yeah. it's, re- it's really weird. I, I'm going to tell you a story before I, before I tell you this. One time when we very first started um, hanging out, we would meet at um, Scotty's. Yeah. We would hang out. And um, I was generating leads and I had all these, my phone wouldn't stop ringing. And I was like excited, like, man, my phone's ringing. I'm getting all these leads. I'm getting all these prospects and my phone keeps ringing. And you look at it and you're like, man, that would drive me nuts. (laughs) Yeah. So what that did was it challenged me to think differently. Like that, why would that drive him nuts? Yeah. And by doing that, one thing that I've learned that through this journey and I'm continuing to learn and COVID made it very clear is the less I do, the better result I get as yeah. long as I delegate to talented individuals. And so um, my focus has been um, speaking to talented individuals, my wife, she's a, she's amazing. And so throughout this COVID uh, we've been able to, um, I've been able to work, work. We so what it's done is it's allowed me to slow down. Yeah, it's forced you to slow down. Yeah, of course. And to look at your business and then say, hey, you know, what are some things that I am doing wrong, or not necessarily wrong? What am I doing that I can be more efficient? Yeah. So now's the time to clean out your closets. We're cleaning out our closets. Yeah. So that's what we're doing in our business as well. So, so tangibly speaking, like, I know you said that you kind of alluded to the fact that your, that your wife was helping more in the business, like, and that's one of the things that you've done is slowed down maybe in order to take some things that were bogging you down and and transitioning them to her. What else have you let go of? Oh man. Uh, you know, um, tangibly, um, you know how this is. We work (laughs) really hard. Um, and I work about seven days a week, uh, or seven days a week. Um, you know what? I'm taking days off. That's awesome. So I'm letting that I'm letting go. So I've learned, um, if you want to have longevity in this, you have to, um, not only counterbalance, but then you have to learn leverage and you have to be efficient with your time so that 
focus on income producing activities um, and then delegate those activities that cost you time, delegate those off to others. So Dude, there's so much there's so much good stuff in just the two things that you said that's got my wheel spinning. There, I think we could talk for like the next hour on just those nuggets alone. So you mentioned letting go of the outcome. How how are you able to let go of the outcome? Because this is the thing that that comes up. I know when Tyler and I go anywhere, this is one of the things that comes up over and over and over. And even Tyler busted me on yesterday. It was just like. I have this frustration around things not happening fast enough. Yeah. And, and that's all like, that'll never go away. I know. I don't know that I literally ever have a position where things get done faster than I want them to get done. And so, um, how do you let go of the outcome? Um, this is how, and I'm not the best person to ask this. Uh, but this is how I would imagine is, when you let go, you're letting go to a very capable person. Yeah, for sure. So um, that is the hard part is just having that awareness that when you're you're delegating and you're surrounding yourself with just talented people. My wife is really, she's way more organized than I am. So I've taken the administrative things that would bog me down and uh, she helps me in that regard. She helps keep me organized. And I'm not the most organized person in the world. And just being able to recognize that about yourself and then not only doing that, having that the perfect person to be able to kind of take that on yeah. is crucial. Do you have a system for how you let go of that stuff? Because that's where I struggle is, um, you know, I, I want everything done yesterday. Um, and I and I try to temper that delivery because I realize that that's such a diminishing trait for a leader is to just expect that everyone will will chase your rabbits all over the yard. And so I, I try to keep that as contained as much as possible so as to actually make progress. But one of the challenges I have is is getting though it, it's very easy for me to see gaps in the business or see opportunities for where we can improve our efficiencies. And then not get them out of my head and transition to someone else very well. Have you figured out a system and during this slowdown time to to take tasks from you and give them to others? So the the thing that I've actually been focusing on is um, I have a rolling, living, breathing. Um, it's just the notes app. Yeah. And I literally put everything that I, like I have task, and then as I'm going, I'll delete that task. So it's you look at it from week to week, it looks totally different. And what that's allowed me to do, if something keeps going on there over and over again, it now gets, I now time block for okay. it. Okay. And so if if it's something that I don't particularly like to do, now I know to delegate it. Yeah. So by being able to track, you know, the task and then, and then uh, also being able to keep to a time block... I'm able to now have clarity around the things that are giving me anxiety. Yeah. So I'll share a little bit about what my system looks like, knowing that, that I know that we can continue to improve it. But um, one of the things that you mentioned, so like when I'm coaching an agent or business owner, I'll, I'll usually advise them to um, create a list of their business holes. Like what are all the gaps that you can identify in your business that you think you should do? Okay or that are missing. And then once you create that business holes list, even when you, even when you actually like complete the item, don't delete it, erase it, um, throw it away because 
we live in our business so intensely that we never think we make progress, at least if you're like me, yeah. where the progress is never fast enough and um, there's always right. more items to add to the holes list. And so I encourage people to keep that list because at the end of every year, we'll go back and look at it and go, we don't wow. think we got anything accomplished, yeah. but wow, look at this list yeah. of the problems we used to have. Yeah. And, and, and being able to like reflect on that is kind of like having photos of your children and yeah. realize how far actually you've come in the growth of your business and organization. Um, and I think it helps with prioritization, yeah, of course. Absolutely. But, but for me, I found one of the most advantageous things is to be able to actually reflect on what you have accomplished because I'm always so forward focused that the reflection piece is what I struggle with. Stopping to celebrate yeah. wins is the smell hard the part. Smell the roses. Yeah. I have a problem with smelling the roses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and I don't know if that's, that's a tough part is like, yeah. I, I know the, you know, I'm going through a lot of um, coaching as far as, you know, I have a coach, obviously I coach agents. Um, you know, my coach and I talk a lot about not even, not even worrying about the smell of the roses, so to speak, in that like there is no attachment to the outcome ever because you just let go of the outcome and, and you control exclusively what you can control. Um, and then the outcome just is what it is. Right. Um, I'm not there yet. <laughs> so thankfully we have this podcast. We'll go back um, 10 we'll years from now it. when I get there maybe. But um, but I the the talented people that you delegate to, you've obviously had a series of several people in your organization. Yep. Yep. How do you know the difference between someone who is and someone who is not talented? Um, so a part of becoming a business owner is, um, I can tell you a little bit about my story. Um, I, I was a pretty good salesperson, but I wasn't necessarily as good of a, as a business person. But you have a blind spot. You feel that, okay, I'm a really good salesperson. I can hire people. I'm good at that too. But in all reality, I wasn't. So, <laughs> yeah. so I had to get, I have to get better at hiring people. Uh, I read a lot of books. Um, how you know talent, uh, they give you cliche, they push you um, a lot. You know, here at Keller Williams, they have, you know, different, you know, assessments. But at the end of the day, um, you give information, you give some, hey, I'm, you know, do this, and they do it. Um, you give them, a, you know, the reason, you give them tools, you train them, uh, and there's there's no excuses. Um it's just help me with that though. The excuses piece this is where I this is where the challenge of leadership is. Kay. Leadership is is so much about influence and communication. Absolutely. And so, you know, there's times where where you can delegate a, a task to someone, and I realize in in a, in a perfect world you're delegating authority, right? right? And so, the difference can be: did you delegate authority or did you delegate a task? Right. And then. Sometimes we get the excuses, I think, when we delegate tasks, as in, hey, Mike, I need you to go take out the trash. Yeah. You get that at home probably, and then you get an excuse why it didn't get taken out the right. day it's supposed to. Right. And, and the consistency happens when we delegate authority and the reason why that taking out the trash is important every week. Right. And so that's where I struggle is going so is wanting to go faster or not having enough time to slow down enough to delegate the authority of 
here's why this is important. Here's who should do it, when it should be done, how often, and what I would like to see as the end goal. How you get there, completely irrelevant. Right, right. But yeah, I totally agree that? with that. I'm not. Okay. Uh, and uh, the influence piece is good as well. I mean, yeah. that's a huge part. When you bring in people into the organization, um, it's when some people you can influence them. You could you can tell them, and then some people just no matter what you tell them, they just yeah. dig their feet in. Yeah. So I mean, if you have a certain task um, or whatever, you know, however that is. Um, it's, it's a challenge. So mm-hmm. that I do struggle with, um, but um, I'm getting better at it. I am reading a lot of books, and I'm talking to a lot of people, uh, trying to get better. I'm always trying to yeah, get better Yeah, of course, at that. of course, so, which is what I love about, yeah. about you and your entire message is that no. it's always about growth, um, which, which obviously is, resonates with me a ton. Um, what, you know, when you, is there a position that you've found or a role that you found to be harder to get consistent delegation with admin sales, marketing, anything that like employees, not employees, every single one of those roles, um, there has its own separate challenges. The admin role is because I'm not an admin. So it's really hard to tell somebody to do what you don't even know. (laughs) Like you're not, you're not wired that way. That's not your strength. So um, and to hold people accountable. So from that perspective, um, that's why, you know, um, you Amy's just helped me out tremendously with that. Um, salespeople, um, just hiring people, um, holding them accountable, um, you know, tracking their progress. Meanwhile, you're running your business. Yeah. Like it's it's just a lot. But you I've, I've grown. Um, I hold you hold your guys accountable and if they, this is the thing, you set, you set expectations. Okay, this is what we're going to do. And then they do it. And if they don't do it, they just cannot do it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and, but you have results. Like, look, if you do this, you have the support. You have, you know, you have, you know, all these people that you can talk to. You have me. Uh, you have all those resources. So um, I'm constantly growing my business as you are. Yeah. Um, so, Yeah. You know, um, when, I, when I think about kind of that, that question about where do we have the biggest challenge around, around people on the operation side or on the sales side, um, you know, I had a lot of freedom hearing this from, from Gary Keller recently where he said a couple of times now this year is you're a terrible leader or sorry, you're a terrible manager. He's like, you are a terrible manager and you always will be. Yeah. You didn't get into real estate to be a manager. Right. And, and you'll never be good at it. So let me save you all the time and the money that you'll spend trying to learn how to be a better manager and just go hire self-accountable people. Right. And when you hire driven and accountable people, you stop managing them and you start leading them. Yeah. And that gets you a totally different outcome. And so one of the ways that I think I've kind of evolved, not with intent, but just by default almost is I don't do amazing at confrontation. Right. You know, I think I was, I was raised to, to be nice and to uh, like, you know, do the polite kid things we get taught to do, Yeah. but that carries over when you need to actually sometimes confront things head on. Yeah. And, and so as a leader, you need to have hard conversations and it's just not something I've done well with, but, but have grown quite a bit. And, and so, um, what I've had to adapt is, 
almost to play like psychological warfare with people to try to like motivate them yeah. or help them self-discover why what they're doing isn't as effective as what they should do or could do. Okay. Um, and so I love asking questions, which is really cool that you said you, I asked you a question about, doesn't your phone drive you crazy? Yeah. And so then you had to go and ask yourself why I ask you that. You do that all the time. Yeah. Like you, last night we were, we were talking and you said, so, you know, about COVID and I'm, I'm thinking about like all the things that I'm doing now like more. And then you said, what are we doing less? And then for you, like, I don't even think like that. So that's not a natural, my thing is like, okay, now I've upped my, you know, my activities by 35%. I've done this, I've done that. But what it's, but, but me partnering with my wife has allowed me to downshift. If I was in a car, I'm now able to serve more people and focus on income producing activities because now it's just more efficient. Yeah. My time is used in a more efficient way. And um, you d- you just, you that's how I was able to kind of put that together. So how many times in my business, uh, how many times can I apply that to other parts of my business? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, it's interesting, you know, uh, the airplanes are a fascinating, like demonstration of this, because when you think about our, our disposition as an entrepreneur is to drive and, and to try to drive for more. And, and so you try to get like more power or more speed oftentimes. Right. And, and if you look at like passenger airplanes, you know, the, the Concorde was a, was a passenger plane that broke the sound barrier right. and it was completely phased out of, of production and out of um, commercial flight. And, and so the airline industry went towards speed first. And what they realized is there is a max capacity of speed before um, you actually start yeah. losing effectiveness. Yeah. And so the airline industry now goes like completely towards efficiency. Right. And there we get better fuel mileage. The planes are lighter, more leg room. The ability now I saw they're creating double decker cabins to sleep in and have leg room wow. in and yet not give up the number of passengers on a flight. And so I think about that from a business standpoint that goes, our goal really should be efficiency, right? It shouldn't be bigger, faster. It should be more efficient. And how do we take the efficiency piece out of it? And so during all of this, um, recent pandemic, what I've been thinking is, is like, it's going to sound wrong when I say it, but how do I take the human element out of it so that I can take the human element and apply it in the most valuable and, and beneficial way to actually give the customer what they want. Okay. And in real estate, I don't think the customer, the customer wants to get to closing. I know that. Yes. But in studying the great like innovators, they are they they know that humans always want convenience, right? And convenience can be automated. Yeah. However, as soon as things get challenging or there's friction in a process, we turn to a human to make it more convenient. Right. And so, how do I automate all the task work, get rid of the the task portions of the real estate process? and actually have well-trained operations people who give value to our customers, not what time would you like to close today? Right. What day would you like to close? Right. Would you like a termite inspection or will this regular inspection be okay? Yeah. That's what we've all kind of been doing. Right. And that's not the most efficient way to do it. The most efficient way is, is to just give 
massive service and massive value to your people while the while a computer schedules the inspection and orders the termite. Right. Absolutely. And, it makes you better. It makes the yeah. experience better. And, and you're somebody who's done the automation piece at a high level. When you look at the number of leads that you've generated and the brand that you've built through automation, really, like yeah, you're not out farm, you're not out picking up the phone and just banging cold calls. Well, I mean, yeah. So it's there's two pieces. You have like we automate our marketing, and then we yeah. support it with prospecting. So we market. We call those people, then we prospect those people once they become, once they, they go cold. And by doing that, um, and you, you just have to do it automatically yep. um, from a, from a, uh, I time block to make phone calls every day. Um, uh, my, my crew time blocks to make phone calls. And if you automate things, then you automate your marketing and your advertising. Um, people come back to you, get referrals. I think I've got three, four listings in the last two weeks that I've sold their house a couple years ago. Yeah. And it's just systematically, I'm, they're just calling me back from emails and, and me systematically following up with them. Do you have, do you have fewer people in your business today than you did? Yes. Okay. I do. And what do your results look like with it's fewer better. people? <laughs> it's better. Yeah, it's that's efficiency. less is more. Yeah. It's, that's efficiency. You trim the fat. And yeah. the thing is you find as a leader, I find mm-hmm. myself uh, spending my time with the least performing people, yeah. I, they they waste more of my. I don't say waste. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, they take more of my time. Yeah. So um, that's that's kind of how you can tell when you have talented people as well. So yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, you know, we have six fewer people than we did, and maybe more. At least six. Um, yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then we did. Then we did four months ago, and we've had the best months ever in all of the businesses um, for the last two months. And, and now we, you know, I'm really driving for efficiency. So I'm working more hours to try to make up a gap of right. trying to create some of those efficiency systems. Um, but we're, we're seeing better results with fewer people. Yeah. Now to a point that goes, I don't actually think that our people are at their capacity. Now we need to actually go back and get more people right. so that we can go, to the next so phase. So now you're efficient. Yeah. Now you add, yeah. you add the people to that and yeah. it just grows from there. I'll give you a perfect example. I delegated phone calls. Um, I made way, I make a boat ton of phone calls. I delegated phone calls. I trained, I delegated it. I went on more appointments last month and I made, I made, went on 28% more appointments last month and I made a 10th of the phone calls. Yeah. So by doing that, that time that I was spending making phone calls, I'm out meeting with clients. How do you delegate the, the, I get the concept of delegating phone calls. How do you delegate the conversion of them though? Well, um, how do you delegate? So, so that's the hard part is like, you you know, think about like, you you know, I'm, I'm not a cold, I've never been a cold call. I've never sold it for sale by owner. Okay. I've sold two expireds in my entire life, like because I went to Bold and they probably made me do it one day. Right. Um, me neither. And so I have a I have a uh, a skill set of lead conversion. When someone raises their hand, it says they have a mild interest in doing something. Um, I'm good at finding their motivation, their pain, and then educating them how to solve both of them. Got it. And so. Um, 
I think that for me, it's a natural skill. It's not a, it's not challenging, but how do you teach that? Cause there are a lot of people who struggle with that piece of the, the process. I, I, well, um, I don't know. I think people have to have the tool. They have to have the skill to do it. So I don't think that I look for people that have been telemarketers. Okay. Yep. Um, I look for, and the biggest thing is all I'm doing when I'm making phone calls is I'm having a conversation. Yeah, that's a mindset though. I'm just having a conversation. That's a mindset because I hear a lot of people say I'm just sell. I'm I don't want to be a salesperson. Right. So yeah. I just call people, and there's so many people that I have to call. Like I track. So I knew pre pre COVID, I made like 50 phone calls. I could make 50 to 40 phone calls a day, and then I would set 15 appointments that wow. week. Like okay. that's how. I mean, yeah. I was. Yeah. Then post COVID. I was making 40 or 50 phone calls a day and I went to four appointments. Yeah. Okay. That's actually na- national average was two and a half percent was a conversion during the pandemic. Okay. Was it dropped? It, it actually went down about a third. So your numbers are spot on yeah, for what we it saw It totally did because yeah. I track all that. Yep. So what I did was I upped my activity by yeah. 20, 35 percent. Okay. And then what that, that, that allowed me to still get to where I was still setting. Do you think it was an activity challenge or do you think it actually was a skill set gap? Um... I don't. I don't know. Um, so these are the questions I always ask myself. As so in like, I don't think it was a skill set. Okay. Because it's what I've been doing. Yeah. And I've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Now what I've done is, I've taken. And I haven't been the best person. I'm not the best person at asking how to train that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But what it because I because I track all those metrics and you can see it. I show the team it's a numbers game. Yeah. When you're making these phone calls, we're just having all I'm doing is a, it sounds like 50 phone calls, but all I'm it's 50 conversations. That's right. Yeah. So if I have 50 conversations, the likelihood that I'm going to talk to somebody who wants to buy a house yeah. is is there. So that's that's the thing. I would even challenge you further that says it's not even 50 conversations, it's you serving 50 people. That's it. Because conversations is even like like most people will say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cold calling, I'm prospecting. I don't like to no. sell. And, and yes, it's a conversation, but it's, it's literally a conversation to serve someone who's, who has a need that, that you ideally, if you're someone who's service oriented, wants to actually help someone solve That's it. that, that motivate that need and that problem, um, all the attachment goes away. All the like pain around picking up the phone and calling that person dissipates as soon as you re- make the switch mentally that says, "I'm just serving That's this it. call." That's it. That's it. I'm making. And a I, doctor I, doesn't feel like a salesperson when he asks you a bunch of questions about your headache. No, no. And the reality is, they're eventually going to quote unquote sell you something, which is you continuing to come back. My job isn't to sell you a house That's today; right. it's to sell you a house. Yeah. So if I get the lead. I'm going to ha- keep furthering that conversation until you're ready yeah. to have that conversation yeah. about buying a new home. And so that's that's I just keep talking to people until they're ready to they they may have, you know, reached out to me today and then 6 months from now something happens in their life and they're ready to have that conversation. One of the things that you that you I'm kind of bouncing all over, but it's okay. one of the things that you that I noticed that you said, and I want to like go back to is you said you were setting 15 appointments in a week, 
And when I hear you say that at first, I go, wow, that sounds miserable. I and said, I didn't, I didn't go to all well, I said. I, okay. So that's where I want, that's okay. where I want you to expound okay. on. Cause this is the one thing when we talk about challenging the way things have been done, I think where you've been disruptive is challenging the, the, the thought process of how real estate agents have to approach the business. And what you've done is you've leveraged new construction to be the appointment and the educator for the people who raise their hand and say, I'm, I don't want, I want to stop paying rent. Right. And so you've used a third party as the leverage piece as the delegation lever for you to help people stop paying rent by going and meeting with Davis Homes today in this instance. Yeah. And beautiful and, model, and by the way. That's Check right. it out. That's right. And then you <laughs> Cedar, Cedar Park. This Portland. is actually really nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to where you don't have to be the person on the appointment. Right. Tell me more about that. Okay. So that that's totally, um, I built my business that way. So yeah. um, what I learned, like I have a new construction background and sales counselors, they, you know, a lot of times when you get with a really good one, they're trained, they, they do a really good job. So what I do is a lot of times if I have somebody who has <clears throat> like a time issue or they want to be in a certain area, uh, a lot of people are just unaware that they can do new construction and it yeah. can be affordable. So if I have someone who wants to be six months or eight months out and it's an actual objection, I throw out new construction every time. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that that, well, not every time. If, if, it, if, if it meets from a, a price perspective and an area perspective, if it's a, a match, but it's a something, it's a, a tool in my toolbox that I'm, that I, um, throw out uh, for my clients. It's like a menu. I look at it. I was yeah. like, hey, do you, have you thought about new construction? No, I haven't thought about new construction. And then I kind of go into it. Yeah. And how do you know if that's an actual objection? I always ask a question deeper. Okay. So uh, I'm really good at un uh, uncovering whether or not somebody wants to be there yeah. be a year. So I try to understand what it is. Why do you want to be out okay. a year? Is it financing, down payment, credit, et cetera. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing too, where, where a lot of people, you know, we talk about programming and we all have this, most of us have this program around money, right? That yeah. this is just baffles me. I think money is a conversation that yeah. should be talked about. Um, I understand why it is not. However, I think it's foolish and it doesn't serve most of us because you can't actually help the person if you don't ask them about their financial goals and their current financial situation, right? right. And and so, how have you been able to work past any of that any of that like self limiting money talk, and then um, extract that from people who oftentimes people don't want to share their finances yeah. with you, especially when you're just some guy on the internet running yeah. a cool looking ad about stop paying rent. I'm, I'm, I tell people I'm a doctor. You go to a doctor and he's going to look under the hood. Yeah. I mean, that's just what happens. And so, um, but that's okay. And I just let them know that, you know, there's a lot of people. I empathize with them. I've been in situations. I definitely understand. But the, the thing is, you got to, you, I'm, I'm really good at financing. I'm really good at credit. We start having conversations around that. And it, it's to help them. So then I can kind of guide them in whatever direction, whether that's new construction, existing, whatever. Um, and you just have to, as an agent, you really have to be good at that. Like, I don't know how people don't know anything about finances. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. I, I look at, I, I really don't look at real estate as a sales job. Yeah. 
for whatever reason, I, I think my job is to be a consultant. That's it. I just need to know what are your, what are your goals? What are your, uh, and then how do you, what are your real estate goals? What are your life goals? Um, where are you now? Yep. Where do you want to What be? is the gap? And then how do we put together the best plan for you to accomplish your life goals, your real estate goals, and where you are, and the time frame that you want to accomplish it? And maybe the answer is do nothing. Yeah. And the answer might be do nothing, and you just want to go move or spend money or have something different. And we need to really stay there and understand, is there any reason to do that, and does it align with your goals? Whereas sometimes you see, I, we see this a lot where someone says they want to move and they're motivated to move and yet they keep not moving when you keep showing yeah. them homes. Yep. And What's that's their pain? the Yeah, yeah. What's the pain? Yeah. So I try to do a really good job, especially when I'm, when I'm doing buyer's consultations or on the phone. I try to understand where they are and where they want to go because... Somewhere in between yeah. is where they're going to fall. Yep. So, like, the problem with real estate agents is a lot of people just want to know what they want. They don't understand. So, I'll, I'll, <laughs> yep, you, yeah, you, yeah, you I get you. Explain on it. Yep. So, I'll, I'll have a client, and they'll say, hey, I want to be, you know, hey, I want to buy a house. Okay, great. I want to be in Carmel. Okay, great. I want to be $1,000 a month, or I want to be $200,000, whatever. Yeah. And so, I'm like, okay, there's kind of a, there's a disconnect there. So what I do is I try to understand, okay, where are you now? Yeah. Okay. I'm in Castleton. Okay, great. Now, where do you want to be? Carmel. Okay. I can do 200,000, you know, (laughs) or it's more realistic. Yeah. So by understanding where they are, then I can help educate them on where they're going. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. I think, um, the, the, the follow-up question I always ask to that is, is like, what's important about that? Yeah. Because what I want to know is um, when, what most people will do is say, I want to, in your case, I want to move to Carmel, in which case I then want to know why. Yep. Because it is the why that helps them self-discover whether or not it has to be actually Absolutely. Carmel or not. Because sometimes I hear this all the time. Well, I just want to be 20 minutes from work. Right. Oh, great. Where is work? Right. Now, if it's 25 minutes, will 25 minutes be acceptable? Right. If it is more than 20 minutes, will you not move at all? Right. Like what, what, are the, um, what are the potential obstacles that we'll face further in the process? And knowing that everything is either an objection around motivation or education. Yep. And, you know, I used this example um, the other day. I was, Lauren and I were talking. Um, we've been in this, like, what seems like 47-year remodel process on this house that we bought <laughs> to move into. And, okay, it's actually two. Um, but it is clearly the longest remodel project wow. in the history of America. And there are multiple reasons why, one of which I won't prioritize it. Um, <laughs> and two is... I have a motivation to move into this house because being in a pandemic in a 900 square foot apartment is less than ideal. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing is that the the tile contractors are waiting to install tile that's done. It's ready to go. Um, and so I'm motivated because right. that's the next step in the process to move in. And I've done no tiling for five weeks, even though the showers and baths have all been ready to tile for five weeks now. No, why is it? What I realized is I'm missing, I'm missing a piece of education. Okay. And the education is what tile should I use that doesn't look ugly? Right. What do I, does it need to be different for the, the, 
the shower floor versus the walls? Right. Should we do some accent here, niches, body spray? Like yeah. all these pieces of actual education are right. in the way. And yet as salespeople, what we're taught is go find their motivation. Right. If my tile guy called me and followed up every every couple of days, hey, man, you, you still ready to install tile? Yeah, I am. I'm still motivated to do it. Yeah. I just don't have the education. That's the actual roadblock. It is. Between me where I am and where I want to go. It is. And uh and so so how do you how do you extract that piece from people? Systematic. I do I always ask a question deeper. So I was talking about area. Another thing, I always ask what's prompting your move? Yeah. I want to understand what it is because I that People look. People aren't moving to a house. They're yep. moving from a That's problem. That's true. So my yeah, job, I like that. Okay. Right. My job is to diagnose that and understand what that problem is. So then I fix that problem. They're going to move to their new house. So during the interview process, I ask them, "What is it that you like about your home?" People like. A lot of times, people say, "I don't like anything about my home." <laughs> Guess what? If they tell you, I don't like anything about my home, how easy is it for them to buy, to sell them a house yeah. if they can qualify? And if, yeah. So That's I always point. ask them, what do you like about your house? Yeah. Then I ask them, what don't do you, you like about your house? you actually believe that, though? Are there people that tell you that? Yes. And you, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe it. Okay. So then I, and now I'll ask a question deeper. Okay, I understand you don't like your house. What is it specifically you don't like about your yeah. house? So then... I had, uh, I just had this happen. I had a lady, we went out looking at houses. She told me, she was telling me a story about how the reason why she wanted to move was because she didn't feel safe. There was people that would do drugs in a certain area and she was just tired of every time she went to work. So we went out and started looking at houses. Went, she loved it, it was everything she wanted. Later on in that process, she wanted she kind of got cold feet she was kind of getting i said look i don't know i know this fixes your problem yeah and i rem, i reminded her of why she's making this decision. that's right it wasn't to, it wasn't for the future it wasn't like I, I, we get this all the time especially right now you know well i don't want to overpay well i don't want to pay above market price or compete in multiple offers okay then maybe the the pain of six thousand extra dollars yeah is greater than the pain of the fact that everything you, in your house you don't like. Yeah. Which one is more painful That's for it. you to stay unhappy where you are or to pay $6,000 more? Yeah. Yeah, so, so you use I use that as fuel. Yeah. So so along the lines of like what what you know kind of my goal always is with business owners and with real estate agents is to challenge the way things have always been done. What I hear you saying is, is like you you challenge people's thinking. Yeah. about why they're taking action. It's more than surface level. And 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 that's where you get um, unreasonable results, right? Yeah. That's why you're getting results that are better than the marketplace. Um, what, what else have you challenged in your business or in your life over the past four months that you've let go of in the last the last 120 plus days. I want to get, we were just having this conversation. I'm really active on social media. Yeah. Um, I want to get, this is the thing. I'm I'm good at it, but I I think in order to take it to another level, I need to have somebody that's just dedicated and that's their jam. Yeah. And so right now it's my, you know, I do it, you know, whenever, but if I want to take my marketing to another level, that's something I'm going to have to delegate out. 
So um, I really think that that's probably my my next move, um, if you will. So and also I want to have you know different uh, feels from the from a different from a brand perspective. And it's really hard as an individual because I am you know who I am. So then it's hard because it bleeds over into different brands. So I want to be able to you know. Um, just be better. Yeah. I'm just always trying to be better. I'm trying to step my game up. Yeah. So, you know, here, like I was thinking when I asked you that, I was like, what have I, what have I let go of from a business standpoint that, um, that I never want to add back. And I wrote down, uh, checks as in like, why were we work? Why were we doing earnest money checks? Yeah. And I've gotten a lot of I've gotten pushback for that, um, but it's slowly starting to build some momentum. There are those that understand they no longer have to chase the customer around all sides of town to try to meet with them to get a check to deliver to a title company or to a mortgage company or to the, the brokerage because that can just get forced digitally. Yeah. And, um, and so, I, you know, I, one of the things I got rid of was, I hate to say this, but I got rid of people. And I got rid of people who were doing roles that maybe were more task oriented instead of value and skill oriented. And so one of them was like the receptionist role. Yeah. And part of what in real estate, the the task work that a lot of our offices do is recept is is answer phones, get mail, yeah. collect earnest money checks. And I look at that and go, I go to Kroger. And I haven't checked out with a human in almost three years. Yeah. Why wouldn't I apply that exact same method of operation and in our business when the consumer has shown that they're willing to actually interact at a really high level with a computer now, especially, and convenience is actually the core driver of it, even though most people will tell you what they want is something right. more. Yeah. What they actually want is life to be easier. Yeah. And all decisions that we make are gra- gravitate towards life being easier yeah. so that we can get what we want. Right. And so I've let go of those and, and I've let go of um, office space. I think I've let, I, I'm slowly trying to let go of my identity. And that's probably the biggest thing that is so hard that we all struggle with is yeah. in making decisions that, um, that challenge our own identity. And when I say that, what I mean is like, we all have stories that we tell ourselves about who we think we are or who we want people to think we are. Yeah. And it will cause, and that's the limiter that we have Yeah, is who we want to be or who we want other people to see that we are. And so for me, I'm always, I'm I'm taking inventory on a regular basis to figure out, okay, I'm not taking action on something I said I want to take action on. Is it because I don't want to fail? And uh, because I don't want to fail, is it because I don't want people to see me as someone who I'm um, not exactly, yeah, exactly that, that loses your yeah. friend. So it's, are you, it's, are you, how are you wired? Yeah. Are you afraid of failure? Are you, you know, yeah. which ones you're, you're driving, you're driving field or you're yeah. driving thing. And so the question that I always ask everyone is, is like, and you don't have to have an answer for it, but the question that I like to ask to kind of un- unpack all that is, um, what do you love about yourself so much that causes you to hurt others? Wow. And, and so for me, when I, when I started asking myself that question, what I found is, is that most of the time, the selfish decisions that I make are, are based on self-preservation of my own identity. Right. Wow. That's some Buddha stuff. <laughs> You've been reading. <laughs> well, I well, love that. It, 
it's 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 the thing that we all it's the thing that holds us back is there's something that we do in our day-to-day lives that is holding us back from accomplishing at a really big level yeah self-talk your identity i can't do that i'm i'm not smarter than that guy like yep yeah i mean it's that i didn't realize i had it like i didn't feel like and now i feel it and now talk hey quit doing that yeah so, you know, don't do that. And then if you can put that stuff and suppress it and get it, get it put away where it needs to be. Yeah. And that part of that is this. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Getting with people that are yep. like-minded and that are pushing and they're positive and it won't push you forward. Yeah. It's, it's having the awareness to it. I think for me, it, it what's helped me a lot is having that like moment of um, realization that that's actually the most of the time. You know, I've, I've grown a massive amount in, in a decade, but especially in the last five years. And a lot of that is, um, yet as someone who spends probably five hours a day on personal growth, I still find I'm like, I still have a long right. way to go. Yeah, and the no. days that I don't show up as the best version of me or the minute, the moments that I don't are usually the ones where I'm trying to protect that identity piece. And yeah. so the awareness of it now allows me to make micro adjustments quicker than I maybe would have previously. So um, I love that question. It's a complete challenge of everything that you um, hold on to, which is what do you love about yourself so much that causes you to hurt others? Knowing that it's not physically hurt others, hopefully, right, but like but yeah. causes you to make decisions that are that are really selfish or are in your best interest. Yeah, because we all do that. Yeah, we do. That's so how we're self talk. That's what you're going with. You think in the moment? <sighs> I, you know, that's that's not a good answer for that. Um, you you said I didn't have to answer. That's one you have to. That's yeah. one that you have to like mull on. You have that's a simmer. What would be mine? Um, I don't know, man. Like. I've heard people, I've been asked the same question. I've heard people say that, um, to be taken advantage of, like a fear of being like taken advantage of, or like, you know, I, I mean, I've talked to business owners who, who aren't growing and adding people because employees will just come in, they'll train them, they'll teach them, they'll quit, and then they'll be, you know, taken advantage of. I'll, I'll spend all this time and money raising them, yeah. and then they'll leave. My, right now, my thing is capacity. Okay. So it's just that I'm doing multiple jobs and I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out how to like, and I'm doing a better job at it. So if you yeah. had this conversation with me six months ago or a year yeah. ago, I was like totally like, Ooh. Yeah. but now I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm moving along. I would say my biggest thing is like, I just, I, I don't want to fail. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And there's a reason to like pull that back even further that it's like, what is the not want to fail? And so that's why to me, I go, that's to my identity because what I, what I tell myself is that I don't want as a leader, as a thought leader, as somebody who, who has, um, has been successful in an industry and who has, um, people who, who look up to me, I don't want to outwardly show up as a failure. Yeah. I feel as though I'm letting those people down. down. And yet the reality of it means is that and I'm also somebody who values my authenticity and right. being real with people. I, we get that all the time. It's like you'll, you're one of the few people who don't paint a pretty picture just to make yourself look better. So I realize that authentic is something that I have built uh, as a core value of mine, yet 
I try to protect anything that might make me look like I'm failing. That could be, that's, dude. Because I don't want others to see me as someone who fails or someone who. But it's endearing. Yeah. It's an endearing trait. And to understand that, like, you know, you are human. Yeah. Allows others to say, look. I messed up too. Yeah. He messed up. So it's what's really hard. I know. It's not logical because what we know is that most of the time we actually gain way more by observing other people's failures and our own than people who just win all day, every day on things. Yeah. 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 So that's where you realize that, that that's what we're, that's the psyche we're wired with. Right. that, That is the unraveling of that actually allows us to kind of push forward from a growth standpoint. So, um, I just, I love that question because it's, it holds business owners back. Yeah. And now is actually the best time ever, in my opinion, to be a business owner. Yeah. As crazy as that sounds, it, it is, it is, it is an amazing time for entrepreneurs who want to reinvent who they are here. Here we are sitting in a model and um, I'm wearing a T-shirt and a mohawk. And and now is the ideal time to reinvent everything we've done and be innovative by yeah. challenging the things that made us ineffective or inefficient. Yes. And and that's what's um, fun right now about things. Wreck and shop. And the yeah. thing is, like, everything is changing. So if you don't, if you don't adapt in this time... Um, it's, it's going, it's tough. So everything is changing. Um, and it's just a good time to get better. So what's next for you then? What's changing next? Oh, what's changing next for me? Um, I am, um, I'm focused on growing personal growth. I want to get, I want to get better. Um, I want to get, this is Voltron. I want to focus on my team. Yeah. You know, this is Voltron. So um, I just want to get better. I want to, you know, um, focus on, I want to focus on me. Like I've been, I've been working really hard and you feel invincible. You yeah. just feel like I can just do this forever. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know what? I'm going to learn. Uh, it's forcing me to actually be more efficient and be yeah, better. For sure. So that's what I'm focused on. I'm focused on me. I'm focused on uh, growing my team. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Love it because the uh, you find the actual like work on you yeah. is the driver of work through other people. You become the conduit of other people's success yeah. by growing as a person. Right. Everyone else grows around you. What you guys have witnessed from from a real estate from a business perspective has been the maturation of Michael Bounds. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I Absolutely. have literally grown so much and I have a, I have a lot more to go, Yeah, but you've just seen me grow. And then I just want to continue that on. Yeah. So anyway, awesome. that's now you, what is yours? What's yours? Oh man. Yeah. This is a constant process. I think. Um, so one of them is automation. I talked about like, I'm really trying to um, automate a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm challenging the people in my world and I'm sure they hate it. I know they do. Um, because I'm, Every morning I'll go through and I'll make a list that says automate or delegate or eliminate. And that's the message I'm trying to drive is we want to give value. We don't want to give tasks. We want to, we want to offload our tasks and give way more value than we have before. So, um, we need to rely on what's available technology wise that is just 
growing this is just obnoxiously rapid right at this point um and so part of it is getting is letting go of the things that are still inefficient um and then you know i think that um one of the things we've been doing lately is just trying to figure out is what can we do um people wise with the kind of gig economy that we've seen especially pop up more and more in the last four months you know uber went from being a car company to a food company right all because there were people who had a skill set which was or willingness which was drive a car and and so rather than wrestle with passengers or or food it didn't matter. The The concept was still the same, which was people driving cars to an end destination. Yeah. And so gig workers we see are starting to become more and more um, part of the economy. And what I'm realizing is that I keep asking people to do things that they either don't have the knowledge, the skill set, or the desire for. Right. And all those things are just available either through a third-party person or a company or an application. And so why don't I stop trying to build marketing funnels through people who don't know how to build marketing funnels and go hire someone for a project who knows how to do it? Got it. And like we have the ability to do that right now online so easily. Um, we just have to go find it and go do it. And, you know, like you could go reinvent your entire brand. Right. For just, way less money and way less time than it would take you to do it yourself. Right. But but we get stuck on trying to power through everything. So I'm trying to get out of the habit of powering through everything. Yeah. I, I think we all have that challenge and it's a part of it is just being aware of it. Yeah. Having, having awareness around that. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, I know obviously um, we could, we could talk for, for days um, on end about, um, you know, business ownership and leadership. And, and so I want to be mindful of the fact that, um, that you, you have a business to go run and operate and take over the world with anything that, um, we didn't cover that you want to share that you've learned from the last, um, four months of, of letting go. Um, once you do it once, it's, it makes yeah. it a lot easier to do yeah. it for other things. Yeah, for sure. That's it. Yeah. Like literally, like once you do, I'm like, oh. I remember when you hired your first admin. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't know what I was doing, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it didn't. Everything is easier. It's just yeah. once you do it. And the thing is, this is the thing I want to impress upon people is that they see Eric Forney now crushing it. Yeah, correct. It. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I knew Eric Forney before. Yeah. Well, he was still crushing it, but he wasn't <laughs> yeah. crushing it like he's crushing it. Yeah. So you see the end product. Mm-hmm. It takes time, effort, and it just over time yeah failing forward mm-hmm. when you fail you get up and you fixed it yeah every time you you would do i remember you put on something and it didn't have that big a good of a result and everybody was like oh it's school time oh it's this you was like what could i do differently <laughs> yeah so that next time this event has more people. Dude, I hate stories, That's it, man. Bro. I hate stories. I hear them. I as hate excuses. excuses. That's how, like always like that. It's like, oh, it's a bad time of year. It's this. I'm like, nope. I just, I hate it. It's something we didn't do that we can be more effective at doing when we didn't get the outcome that yep. we that we expected, yet we still planned and executed. Yep. And so something was broken. It was either the execution or the plan. 
with it. It wasn't whatever this outside factor and influence it's mathematics. is. Yeah. It's too easy, though, as humans to tell ourselves this narrative about some unforeseen third party, um, some sort of condition that was placed on us as to why we didn't get the result that we sought. Right. Because we'd have to own it. Right. If, if we failed. Yeah. And it's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah, I messed up. That's right. So I love that about you. So that's the one thing uh, that I could that I've learned is once you've done it the first time, it gets easier and easier. Yeah. And um, that's what I'm I'm trying to do. Yeah, love it. All right, thanks, man. I appreciate your time. Man, it's been uh, great. We'll, we'll do it again next week. Yep.